When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Talking City podcast in our new surroundings today. I'm delighted to say Stu Brennan and Ian Cheeseman have joined me. Nice to see you chaps. You alright? Nice to see you too. Have it's, a sumptuous, it's sumptuous surroundings, yeah, I think. Hopefully the uh, listeners can hear just how high definition we are now, but that's what they all wanted, wasn't it? I want to paint a picture of these books in the corner. What are yeah. those? Are those like old they, evening news? I think they're the old sort of records from the evening news. Um, yeah. There'll be dust years. coming off them, yeah. There'll be fumes. Yeah. years older than I, I've got bylines in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you made some more bylines over the weekend, Stu, because City, off to Anfield. Uh, the hoodoo, as we always talk about every time Liverpool come up, uh, even though you've spoken previously in the past about how little sort of joy you've had going to Anfield yourself. I mean, it's one win in the last 15 years, but was it one league win in the last 40 years or so? Was it? I've been going to Anfield since uh, the late 70s, and I've seen City win, the, and I've not missed a game, by the way, the yeah. City-Liverpool games, and I've seen City win twice. Uh, one was uh, Steve Kinsey, I, I vaguely remember, in one into the top corner, and at the time, Liverpool, I think, were mid-table, and City were actually above them, and it ended up with, I think, Liverpool winning the league from memory, and City just staying up. Can, so. can I just put in there? Because that never happened, because everybody knows that Liverpool have always been above City and far bigger. Yeah. <laughs> it, it never happened. You, you'd imagine that Liverpool lived, have never been out of the top three, and City, City were in the fourth division until they got oil money. So, come on, Cheesy. That's well, well, well said, Fake Steve. news. <laughs> Fake news. Well Surely there was Steve. no away fans either, was there, back four? <laughs> Well, I was the, I was the, I was that soldier, and uh, and back in obviously the the Schmeichel Nicholas Nelka yeah. one in two thousand and two three. It's free yeah. Yeah, that that I remember that one Not quite clearly. But apart from that, um, it's been pretty much. Um, it used to be like that at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and now, yeah. now they've laid that one to rest. But so yeah, um, there was back in March where there was two wins in a week against Arsenal. I know one was at Wembley, but that sort of killed that myth. And then we had the first day of the season as well where City. So I'll just ease past them. But the trip to, to Anfield, your initial reaction to that, the nil-nil, um, on, paper, on paper some people say it was boring, but I guess it depends if you want to be positive. City, it was maybe nice to see them go into a game against Liverpool and not maybe, maybe be so naive. They did sort of combat Liverpool's strengths and a point for City is better than a point for Liverpool, I'd say. I think going into the game, just about you know 90% of City fans would have taken a point. But then when you get a penalty in the last yeah. five minutes... Uh, you know, you come away thinking they should have won that. But I, th- I think, I mean, I, I wrote in my, my match verdict that a massive plus for City. No, nobody thought they could do what they did uh, because Pep's answer in the past has always been pretty much, I've got a plan A and uh, my plan B is to do plan A better in the future. <laughs> That's what he does. You know, he says, I'm, I'm not changing my principles for anything. I'm not going to defend. I'm not going to, you know... Do, do a Mourinho and just set up to, to try and block and stifle and then maybe try and sneak a goal there and there. And I think City fans love him for that. But he sort of managed to get out of that team. They were still on the front foot. They were still trying to win the game. They were still attacking. Um, but when Liverpool got the ball, they were so sharp in, in plugging the gaps. You know, we also, they, 
in the league game, the 4-3 last season, there were wide open spaces. Liverpool got the ball, we saw Salah streaming forward, Mane streaming forward. There was huge gaps everywhere and City were backtracking, backpedalling and, and they were in trouble. Every, almost every time Liverpool seemed to get the ball and pitting, pitting your attacking capabilities against Liverpool's attacking capabilities, certainly Anfield is tough for anybody, even a team as good as, as City. But what they did this time was fill those gaps. You know, as soon as Liverpool got the ball, you'd see Bernardo tracking back. You'd see, I mean, Fernandinho does it anyway, but the full-backs weren't quite as adventurous. Everybody worked hard. I mean, Sterling was, was I think that's why Sterling played. People were, City fans were going mad about Sane being on the bench, but I think Sane, for all the fact he's a fantastic player and he opened you up, as he did for the penalty. Uh, the fact that he was on the bench reflects on the fact that he, he's, of all the attacking players, he's probably the least hard-working in terms of his defending. And he can be a liability. When he, when he when he's in his own half, we've seen it in the past, he's giving the ball away and you know setting setting the opposition up rather than doing his job. So I think that explains that. And uh, so that, it's an element of caution from Pep, but I think it'll serve City really well going forward, especially in Europe. Because again, you know, there are teams in Europe who will come up against where they won't have... 80% possession where the other team are going to have the ball so I think it was from a, from a City point of view it was a massively encouraging performance and bear in mind all this happened without Kevin De Bruyne I no, think if Kevin De Bruyne had played in this game uh, this new look which I agree with every word Stuart said there this, this sort of it wasn't it wasn't parking the bus it wasn't putting players behind the ball and just frustrating Liverpool it was countering their counter-attack because they love to absorb the pressure and then break at pace and, and exploit the gaps that particularly City would sometimes expose them to as they go forward. Um, I think if Kevin De Bruyne had been playing alongside, he might have sat him a little deeper, played him alongside Fernandinho, um, I think City could have been a lot more aggressive in their attacking, not more positive, because I do genuinely think that they were pretty positive in that game. You can't have David Silva, Bernardo Silva, Sergio Aguero, you can't have players that on, like that on the pitch and not be positive. But uh, again, as Stuart alluded to, the two full-backs played very differently than the way we're used to seeing them. Uh, I can't deny that before the game, I was a little concerned that uh, Mendy's um, nature to want to go forward and sometimes lead himself too high up the field might leave City vulnerable to Salah. Now, there's two things there. There's an argument to say that, from what I've seen this season, that Salah's not quite as effective as he was last season, full stop. Um, but I don't want to take any credit away from the way that City handled him yesterday, because they, they basically nullified him. But also the fact that he is seen as the, the main threat, if you like, and he was going to come down that side. We'd seen Laporte play in midweek at Hoffenheim in the left full-back position. Um, and so, and that, that didn't really work well, I didn't think, as a left-back anyway. <laughs> Um, and Mendy coming in slightly worried me but I've got to say I thought Laporte was absolutely outstanding um, in that position um, he really has come on and, and you know he's starting to look like the deal to me um, and Mendy was very disciplined it was um, refreshing to see that he said from the full that we didn't really need to see him going forward but I feel like last season maybe that's one area City didn't get the credit for um, for the, the defensive duties their fullbacks did do. I know we didn't see Mendy last season or so Delph instead, but City. I mean, the refreshing thing with that newer sort of approach as well is that you do feel if Mendy was ill again or injured, um, that Delph or Delph could sit in. Maybe Danilo could sit into that new sort of approach for City. I know Stu said 
going to the big European games, City might need to have, you get to the business end of the season, you might have times where you have two big games in a week, some player might not be fit, but it looks quite quite adaptable for both. Doesn't it? It depends on the approach. I mean, you've got to take your hat off to Pep yesterday and give him a lot of the credit mm. because, you know, as, as Stuart said, you know, that the whole attitude of City, and we all love it, is attack, 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 and the defence will sort of deal with whatever comes the other way. They still dominated the possession at Anfield, but they dominated it in a much more restrained way. And actually, <laughs> I thought they nullified the atmosphere. I know it was an afternoon game, as opposed to the night game that it was in the Champions League, and that makes a bit of a difference. I mean, I watched, um, along with Charlotte, the coach coming in, um, when and it, and it was completely different, completely different. There was no none of that animosity. When you looked at the people that were actually stood there when they came in, they were different people. They were Liverpool fans, of course, but they were different people. Um, and I think the whole atmosphere it was different. But I also think that during the game, because of the approach City took, that took a lot of sting yeah. out of Liverpool and their fans. I think that was. It's always super cool you get, and I think that's again another. We keep on saying about European nights and these tougher away games. Some of the city may did do quite well, other than that Liverpool game in Europe last season, where they can just kill the home crowd off straight away, can't you? Play the ball about, and then have the. I mean, the loudest Liverpool fans were when they booing Raheem Sterling every time he touched the ball, and it showed how much of the ball he had because they were booing quite a bit, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I'd just like to go back to something that Ian touched on about Laporte. I yeah. thought Laporte was the best player on the pitch, and I thought the player who was closest to him was Stones I thought the pair of them were absolutely brilliant virtually impeccable I don't remember either of them making a mistake I don't remember them putting a pass wrong I don't remember them missing a tackle or a header or anything and that, that, that again is massively encouraging because at the start of the season you would have said Company and Otamendi are City's two best centre-backs and yet going into the biggest game of the season so far Guardiola put his faith in the two young lads the two, the two lads that he hopes will carry City forward into the future uh, and these two best footballing centre backs. I mean, I, when I saw it, I thought they're going to have a problem here, City, because Van Dijk is really good at, at set pieces. You know, he's always a threat, and you would want company against that. Uh, you know, he's a better, the best head of the ball out of the four of them. Otamendi is probably the second best. But but then again, you know, it's all it's all pluses and, and minuses, isn't it? You know, I, I don't think. Company and Otamendi don't deal as well with that pace that Liverpool have going forward. But I thought Laporte and Stones not only dealt with the pace, they dealt with the aggression, they dealt with the physicality, they dealt with the set pieces, they did absolutely everything after them. And I pick up my, my paper this morning to see... <laughs> well, a national paper, somebody saying that Van Dijk and Lovren showed what world-class centre-halves they had. I'm thinking, hold on a minute. The, t- the two City centre-halves were... You know, they, they, I thought they played well, all right between them, Lovren and Van Dijk. But Lovren arguably gave a penalty. Well, I, you could argue he gave away gave... a penalty. You had the handball on the Fernandina challenge. Lovren almost gave away a penalty on Aguero in the first half. They looked a bit lost, and they absolutely. They, and you think about yeah. like the midfield, Liverpool midfield had to dig deep to help protect the centre backs as well as Cities. You felt, you know, when City got caught on the counter a couple of times, <laughs> they thought Stones still nullified that attack really really well it was a coming of age performance almost from them and like you said it was mm. so exciting to see that they can actually answer those questions about maybe their physicality which isn't up to Otamendi and company Laporte is the number one centre back at the club now yeah. which is amazing because at the end of last season you would probably think he was number four you know maybe Stones but one of the two of them but he's, we're seeing now why City paid at the time a record fee for him 
because he's a centre-back who seems, I don't want to jinx him, but he's a centre-back who's got the lot, he's got that physicality, he was going into tackles, you know, he was he was being aggressive and physical with players, which you've got to have in the Premier League, and his passing is excellent, you know, we saw him sweeping those balls out to out to the right-hand side, to Mares uh, and to Walker, um, and he, he, he sets City on the front foot straight away, like that kind of passing. Uh, I, I'm massively impressed and it's no surprise that he's been first name on the team sheet for Guardiola this season uh, and he's it, hugely encouraged. I mean you sort of think going forward with City we know that the, the young attacking players they've got are going to be immense in years to come but you always have that worry about how's the defence going to develop but you see those two and the partnership and understanding they've got and you think yeah they're going to be alright in that in that department as well You mentioned the report there the previous club record signing I'm surprised we've not really mentioned Riyad Mahrez so far it was sort of the elephant in the room wasn't it um, the penalty decision has been all over me just there. as Stu said that before the game and the 0-0 fine really from a City point of view but like, when you have that spot kick right at the end what did you make of it did you both have like, those doubts I mean me and Stu had a chat this morning and say you know what Edison was probably the best player to take that one of those penalties but it was never going to happen and, um, but Riyad well, Mahrez Alex, Alex Stepney used to take him in the old days for United didn't he he did. He did. He was top scorer for United in the for for a long while in the in the season they went down. But yeah, it's not it's not unheard of. It's not without precedent. But I mean, you know, you could rather than just you, talk about his yeah. performance in that game or that penalty. Let's talk about the broader thing. I've I've I'm yet to be really impressed if I'm being honest with Riyad Mahrez. Um, when I watched him at Leicester, you know, obviously you can see that he's got something about him. He's a quality player. So I'm not I'm not having a go at the guy completely. But at the moment, we're only seeing. I was talking to my son about it last night, and he's saying, "Well, what does he offer? What you know, at his best, what does he offer?" Yes, he can do that through ball. We saw him do it for Vardy at Leicester. So he sits out on the wing and times and accurately passes this through ball. We also can see that he cuts in from the right hand side, and he can sort of Thierry Henry esque, you know, curl that ball in at the far side, and he can take a free kick. Now, there was a little glimpse at Anfield yesterday, very early on in the game, of a little run that he made into a central position, which I actually thought he was very dangerous. But up until now, everything he's done, has, to me, has been too slow. The, the he, hasn't, he isn't in the tempo of the passing yet. And sticking him out on the right like that, the, the cross that he makes when he gets to the byline, when he does go around the outside, is a relatively weak cross. So therefore, everything has to come from the left side. It also meant yesterday at Anfield that um, Sterling would be on the left, having made the decision to, to pick Sterling over Sane for the reasons that Stewart said, it means that Sterling's on the left. Now I think Sterling's far more effective on the right, um, so that worries me. Now then you come to the penalty, so he's not had a fantastic game, I understand the logic that he might have been in because he, he retains possession better. Um, and he'd rather, that is Pep, have a player who retains possession rather than Sane, who's more prone to run at somebody, be dangerous, of course, some of the time, but lose it in others. So Riyad Mahrez would keep it more. But, you know, so I can see why, in a way, he was in the side, and obviously Gundogan was out, De Bruyne was out, you know, there were injury issues. But when it came to the penalty, I was looking down from my position, I up on the gantry, and obviously I saw it unfold. Jesus picked up the, the ball, 
and then Mara's went over. Stuart will, I'll no doubt, elaborate on this in a minute because he's told me uh, you know what's been said in the press conferences, so I'll leave that to him. But you see Mares take the ball. He's decided he wants to take it. And the and whole body language to me worried me straight away. I didn't want to say anything, but I thought, oh, this doesn't all go well. Then I find out that he's missed five while he was at Leicester. Um, so his record's not great. But also I was told later on by Martin Tyler, the, the Sky commentator I uh, talked to, he said... Silver had missed his, his one and only penalty. Um, who was the other one who'd missed two out of his, his last three? It might have been Jesus, actually. Yeah, missed Jesus. two out of the last three. So, so who is the penalty taker? Now, you know, we might joke about it, but maybe it should have been Mendy to blast it in, or maybe it should have been Edison to blast it in. Um, maybe a Bernardo Silva, little clever dink or something, something that they weren't expecting. Maybe even one of the two centre-backs... You know, the, the, the goalkeeper coach has no record of what they've done previously because they've probably never taken a penalty. And it, now, in hindsight, you think, why did Mahrez to, and to not even hit the target? That's the, it's just yeah. unforgivable, isn't it? You, yeah. If you hit the target, you scuff your shot, the goalkeeper makes a great save, fine. To sky it over the bar, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, you, you, you talk to. Did you talk to the manager and the, the player? I, I, I was in the press conference, but I, I found out what. Guardiola said I, I did speak to, to Mares. fair play to him because he doesn't like doing media and he wouldn't normally stop but the fact that he stopped and the fact that he spoke to me and sort of explained himself you think well fair enough you fronted up um, I mean he, he was quite positive about it which you understand he sort of explained he said I tried to hit it down the middle and obviously he got it all wrong um, you suspect that normally you'd think he's a kind of player you'd expect to try and place it because that's what he does when he's shooting in in, an, in, a, in the run of the game. Um, but he's obviously thought, I'm just going to welly it down the middle, and he's got under it, and it's gone over the bar. But it's interesting what you're saying, because I've been going through <laughs> the stats to find out City's penalty. Every player who plays for City who's taken a penalty in the past, and you're right, Silva's taken one in the Premier League and missed it. But he's taken two for Spain and scored them both. We've also got... Kevin De Bruyne, who's exactly the same, he's taken one for City and missed it, taken two for Belgium and scored them both. So you kind of wonder, is this a City problem that's going on here? I mean, the best penalty taker at the club is Gundogan. Um, so obviously he's, he's, not, he's not on the pitch. He's scored in the Champions League final. He's got six out of six. You kind of think, if you've scored one in the Champions League final, why are you not taking more than six? You know, in the past, obviously, City have had Yaya Toure, who's yeah. impeccable. Sergio's um, pretty good, isn't he? Aguero, well, again, he's he's taken 49 in his career, and he's scored 39 of them, which is 80%, which is average in terms of penalties. I, I was looking at this the other day, that uh, 80% of penalties get scored right across the board in terms of top, top flight football. Uh, 80% is, is the figure, and that is exactly what Aguero's got. But... I think I'm not. I was just going to check that before we came in to do the podcast, but he's missed most of those that he's missed have been recently. You know, early on he was scoring all these penalties, but it's almost like he's he's suddenly got a bit of a mental glitch about it, and he's started missing a few. Um, but you you kind of think this is something Guardiola needs to sort out. This is the manager that we talk about his attention to detail being incredible. You know, he, he doesn't let anything go by, and yet we have a situation where. 
uh, Jesus and Mahrez are looking at each other on the pitch thinking who's going to take this that should be sorted out I mean his attention to detail is such that we know the hierarchy of captains from one to five at City we know who they are and you think well that is not as important as having a hierarchy of penalty takers if they had a hierarchy of penalty takers and everybody knows it when you go on the pitch <coughs> you don't get Jesus looking puzzled and saying why aren't I taking this and people passing messages from the manager at the last minute you know as soon as that penalty goes yeah it's him he's going to take it he knows as soon as it happens he's going to take it and to me Guardiola needs you can't criticise Guardiola obviously but I think one little criticism he needs to sort that out and he needs to say right this is the way it's going to be from now on I don't want anybody looking at each other and being picked up by the TV cameras Um, Jesus stopped in the mid zone as well Uh, he spoke in Portuguese but I got it translated and he he basically said I'm not happy about it he wasn't happy about it now he, he probably whether he, it's hard to say when something's been translated whether he meant he wasn't happy because we didn't score the penalty or whether he meant I wasn't happy because I didn't get to take the penalty it's hard to tell but he said it twice and you kind of think he didn't clarify it you know he didn't he didn't qualify it as to I'm happy I'm unhappy that we didn't score it sounds very much like he was saying I'm unhappy that I didn't get to take the penalty um, so that little bit of little bit of I mean, he then went on and said, you know, if if we get another one and the manager says Riyad takes it, I'll back him 100%. So it's not like it's a major issue with him or anything like that. But again, like you say, he's Jesus's, um record, taken three, scored one. So he can't that's, really complain. The one he scored was for Brazil, was it? No, 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 it wasn't <laughs> funny enough. All, all three were for City. Um, the other one who's got 100% record is Raheem Sterling. But he's taken one, scored one. And if you remember it, that was the sixth of the 6-0 win at Watford last season. <laughs> and I reckon I'd have scored that 5-0 up with a minute to go. You know, I, don't, I think I could have taken that. he'd gone off at that point, pressure. Yeah. Sterling, he'd gone off at the point of the penalty. He'd gone off? How could he score a penalty if he'd gone off? No, I don't mean in the Watford game. I mean at Anfield. Uh, yeah. Oh, Anfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I, I, well, I don't think... I think he would have been the last player on the bloody park to, to be given the penalty, don't you? The reception he'd have got and uh, it would have been amazing, the wouldn't it? It, it would have been, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it was at the city end, so it might not have been as bad as at the cop end. Yeah, they wouldn't know. It's the sort of thing that makes you man, though, that isn't it? You know, when it's some the critics, yeah, but if it goes the other way, it yeah. really destroyed. Well, that could be a question now as well, couldn't it? How is this going to affect Mares, who to me feels that he's still got to be come and all, all the vibes are isn't it? because once you when, when you're at a player when you're at Leicester you're the, you go from being the star man at a mid-table club and you come to City and you're just a bit part of Pep Guardiola's bigger plan uh, we've seen it before when City have bought players not the same ilk but you look at people like Scott Sinclair Wilford Boney Jack Rodwell all players who are the best player for their club mm-hmm. come to City you can't even make the step up because it's, it's such a huge challenge and that's why it is such a sort of test of character for any of these players to make it into a side like City where it is already established you've it's not just beating other better players to get into the squad, but you've got to adapt to this really specific sort of setup, which not many teams can do. Um, you've got to not only do it on the pitch, but on the training ground every day. You've got to impress Pep. So it is a real tough one. You expect Mares. I know when he signed, we were saying that he's one of these players that maybe the City could have done with last season in those <coughs> games where it was tight towards the end and you need someone to come on and lock a defence that's really stubborn because he's got that trick he's got the drop of the shoulder starting games you do wonder I, I questioned yesterday when I saw him lining up I know 
that uh, Sterling, as you said, I would have started Sterling on the right personally. Midfield's difficult because I think if Gundogan or De Bruyne's fit, you would have put Bernardo on the left maybe, had one then in midfield. But it's it's difficult, isn't it, for Mahrez? Now, where does it go from here? City have games coming up. Burnley, Shakhtar, Spurs. Will he play in any of them? You expect him in the he, Shakhtar well, game? He obviously played in the Oxford game and every City fan I spoke to after that game said, oh, I'm so pleased he scored. That'll give him a confidence yeah. boost. And now this might, might, hopefully not, have the negative effect. Um, the Fulham home game... I think it's a, it's a shoe in that he'll play, Foden will play, Diaz will play, Muric will play. It'll be that type of team again. Um, you would think, though, that um, if De Bruyne's back, which, given that what we heard from Pep on Friday, even though I think that was probably just a bit of psychology, what he said in the end, you would think with another fortnight between now and the return of Premier League, you'd I'd expect to see De Bruyne perhaps on the bench against Burnley and come on for the last half hour or something and then maybe he starts against Shakhtar um, you know because that, that's obviously a, a crunch game as well now um, and then and then these games where they come thick and fast you know Spurs on a Monday uh, Fulham on a, on a Thursday and Southampton on a Sunday you know Mares is going to be on all these players that are so-called no, you know French you know, company many. they're all going to play in some of those games aren't they they can't all play he's not going to keep the same team all the way through is he no just going back to the Maras thing I mean I don't think it'll affect him I don't think he's going to knock his confidence from from my experience of him he's like the kind of player that Pep likes in that he's confident just stopping short at the point of arrogance you know because I don't think Guardiola would enjoys arrogant players but he likes supremely confident ones and I think he'll I think he'll uh, he'll come back from it I, I mean he, he said that when I spoke to him after the game he, he said you know we, I'm only looking forward I'm not dwelling on it I'm just going forward now it's, it's surprising because people I, I, like you Ian I didn't think he had a particularly good game I thought he was taking shots on when he, he had players in the middle he could have crossed to uh, he had that one moment where he, he ghosted, was it past Robertson and then dragged his shot past the far post, which was decent, but you need to score those chances if, mm. if you're Manchester City and playing at Liverpool. Um, I didn't think he had a great game, but he's still early in his City career. You know, Bernardo Silva, it took him a season to bed in. And David Silva. Um, well, David Silva probably did it in three months, but, you know, he's a genius. Yeah, I think that happens. You, you get a player coming from another club into a especially when you're coming into a, a team like Guardiola's where there's so much to learn. Yeah. You know, it, it took most of those players a season a season to sort of yeah. get into the heads what Guardiola wanted of them. So to expect a player to come into the team and, and immediately click with it, it ain't gonna happen. So, you know, he, Give him time. Give any player deserves deserves that time, um, and I, I think I think Mahrez is class. We saw him at, at Leicester. And I know what you're saying about players coming from from other clubs. Yeah. I think you mentioned Rod, but none of them were PFA Player of the Year. Yeah, that's true. And he was deservedly PFA Player of the Year. You know, the, the props. Canty was the only you've one. You've got who to be world class to do that in that team. Though. You've got to have that quality, haven't you? So yeah, you have, yeah. He's got it. He's definitely got the quality. He's, the other thing you need is a mentality. You know, you, yeah. like you say, you're not playing at Leicester anymore. You're playing for Champions Leagues. You're playing for Premier League titles, and well, Leicester were, but you you got to do it 
consistently you're, you're the overdog you're not the underdog and there's a big difference yeah I guess the, the annoying thing for Mars is that there isn't a game on Tuesday night. sometimes we said we don't want a game on Tuesday night to cover but for Mahrez he'd be itching to go again we've got the international break now two weeks of fun I'm sure ahead uh, one interesting piece for me for City fans you said that deliberately sarcastically then <laughs> well I'm a Wales fan so I'm actually I'm quite excited but from, from a City point of view and maybe, I, maybe I'm being naive and most maybe you have a tendency to follow England but Jaden Sancho in the England squad oh uh, Jaden don't get me on Jaden well, that's exactly what I'm about to do now because I had one of my friends text me yesterday after the Mahrez for instance he said why did City buy Mahrez when they had Jaden Sancho and it's City wanted to keep Jaden Sancho that's well, that clear from the start he was the player who you know, was fed up at a lack of opportunity he sort of move abroad there's still questions there he's gone he's proven himself I'd heard that Jaden Sancho was getting a bit big for his boots and was, was making demands uh, Stuart as the journalist or, or more of a journalist than me uh, in the room will no doubt I'm, I'm, I'm more of a journalist by about two stone <laughs> well I, I watched a lot of Jaden Sancho he was in the same team as Foden and uh, Diaz and to me Jaden Sancho was the best of the three certainly at that stage and really really excited me every time I saw him I thought right, he's going to be huge so when he then left at the end of that season and moved to Dortmund, and I'd heard these problems of, you know, that there's a bit of a personality thing here, and uh, you know, a bit like when Sturridge left City and went went elsewhere, you know, I'd heard the same sort of stories about that. Um, it, it maybe is just a case of being told that he might get more time in the first team as he has done at Dortmund, and maybe it's as simple as that. And that is a difficult one to to answer because the let's face it City have got Sane because at a very young age he got into a first team in the Bundesliga at Schalke which if he'd come through City's youth ranks he probably wouldn't have done so the irony is that by having time in Schalke's first team he was able to demonstrate for 18 months or however long he had how good he was so therefore when he came to City on big money he was straight away thought of as a first team player now if Sancho had grown up playing for Dortmund City might now be putting £60 million bid in and bringing him over here because then he's he's seen as he's had that experience he's more ready made so it's a catch 22 Foden at the moment can't get in what does he do if he's only going to be playing bit parts till Christmas does he go out on loan you know all those questions but Sancho to me of the three at that stage only time will tell was the best of the three and I rate all three of them um, but Sancho <coughs> to me was the best so it was heartbreaking to see him go wish him really well and it's great to see him in the England squad and I'll be inclined, you know, interested to see whether he gets a few minutes or gets involved but uh, 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 he is to me he's the bee's knees or hopefully will be I think huge kudos to him for doing what he did and saying I'm going to brush it off because I want to play first team football because it's, it's, not, it's not a move that you would expect you know he's, Dortmund are a massive. We don't realise in this country how big a club Dortmund are. You know they're, they're huge, but you kind of think in terms of winning stuff, you got a bigger chance at City than you have at Dortmund. But you know, I, I thought fair play to the lad for for taking that move, going to a foreign country and trying his luck, and it's paying off for him. And, and I'm I'm pleased it is. I I, I think Dortmund are top of the the German <coughs> league at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. They are, but are they going to win it? I think the last team to have stopped buying winning it. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's not yeah. impossible, is it's it? It's not, it's not. 
But going back to, you and I used to watch him, you more than me, but used to watch him playing in the youth ranks at City Sancho, and I was massively impressed by him. He, he's a lovely player to watch, he's got every trick in the book, he's got a turn of pace, he's got an eye for goal, he's got an eye for a pass. I think he's, he's got all the attributes to be a top, top player. The only thing I would say about it, and you're talking about, you know, there was those three, Sancho, Foden, Diaz. I remember Sancho was unbelievable, as was Foden, as was Diaz, probably to a lesser extent, in the FA Youth Cup run uh, that they had. And they got to the final and they played Chelsea. In that final, Sancho went missing. Yeah, fair point. Chelsea completely blanked him out of the game. The only City player who actually showed up, I thought, in the two games was Foden. I thought he was City's best player by a country mile and that was up against a very strong, physically strong and football strong Chelsea team. Um, and that, that sort of, I know you shouldn't, you can't judge a player over two, but I thought this is the biggest game these lads have played. Yet Foden is out there doing what he's always done. Sancho has gone missing a little bit. Now, what he's done at Dortmund so far, he's proven me wrong because he's, he's stepping into the Bundesliga playing in, what, 80,000 crowds to get at Dortmund? They get they big crowds. Do. They yeah. can do, yeah. Um, he's playing in front of these huge crowds, big games, and he's turning it on, you know, he's, he's showing what he can do. So, um, But, I, I, it's a different situation, because he's not a man, Foden's a local boy, who, you know, who's sort of got City imbued in him, he's, he's within him, um, and the prospect of him going to a foreign country and playing playing as Sancho has done isn't, isn't anything like the same uh, Sancho came to City from uh, was it Watford yeah I think yeah, so Watford it was wasn't it um, and he so he's, he's not got that tie he's not got that that look that, that feel so him moving on it wasn't, wasn't such a big deal as it would be for Foden um, but I hope Foden can get the time that he wants this season the time that he needs uh, and I, I you talk about England, you know. You see, you see Foden emerging. Uh, you see Sancho emerging. Mason Mount emerging. You know, he he looks great on loan at Derby. You know, and he was, I think, he was in that Chelsea team in the Youth Cup final. They, they get to every Youth Cup final, so you're not so sure. But when I've seen him play, I've been hugely impressed. And you kind of think England have got so many good young players coming through, um, and the players who've played together in the past and have got a, a friendship and an understanding. Uh, you kind of think, you know, it, it bodes well. I'm not a big England fan. I don't really bother about international football. But you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to see all these young lads forging a, a team and and and, that, and achieving something. Well, certainly on the international subject, Jurgen Klopp's bemoaning the fact that his players have got to go off and play these meaningless games this week. And uh, as a City fan, and that's the way I look at life. Um, the fact that De Bruyne is not going, uh, the fact that Aguero's not going, um, pleases me. The fact that David Silva's now retired from international football <laughs> pleases me. You know, so and it's a bizarre way to look at it. But as a club football fan, even you, you, you know, it's it's. I don't particularly enjoy the international break. Um, you know, I don't know whether I'll get whether I'll have the time or the inclination to watch the internationals. But the first thing in, in most club football fans' minds these days and City fans is will our players come back uninjured um, not too tired not overused etc um, uh, that, that's always the case isn't it even City when they tweet out 
Uh, yeah. You know, tweet out um, such your body's uh, come through unscathed and everything because that's what's in your mind, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so it, it's the top. The top priority <coughs> is that none of them get injured. But David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Sergio Aguero, wrap them up in cotton wool. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you're hoping for in a week of no drama on the City injury front. Yeah, um, like I said, those games coming up: Burnley, Shakhtar, and Spurs, and it's going to be a bumper it's couple gonna of weeks. It's going to come thick and like, fast. So that like, rescheduling, don't get started on that Spurs game. We're going to rant about that when we come back from the international break, maybe because <laughs> that's that week's going to be chaos. Spurs on the Monday, Fulham on the Thursday, Southampton on Sunday, is it? Yeah, I mean the, the the Tottenham thing is just ridiculous, and I feel so angry and so upset. It's ridiculous on behalf they've of the not fans. been so harshly punished for it. I don't yeah. see how anyone getting away with City try and help the fans by putting coaches on by offering them refunds for non-refundable journeys that they made. But now there's been a second repercussion that that perhaps isn't as obvious. But I've I've been in, honestly inundated with fans. Once I did a tweet saying something about. And, you know the fact that this this game had moved and how it would affect the City Southampton game, and there's people contacting me saying, "Oh yeah, I booked a flight in. My son was coming to his first game. This was happening. This was happening." And you think, and, and I've actually been sort of quote retweeting them, putting at Spurs in some of them, and saying, "You do here's another one. Here's another repercussion of 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 your ground not being ready, because it, it's like a secondary thing, so it's dismissed." But it, it, these are real people who've spent money and reorganised their lives. It really upsets me. It's supporters who lose again. You know, yeah, the, the, the absolute lifeblood. Supporters who go home and away yeah. again, treated like dirt. You know, as, as if, to me, they should be the priority of any football club. Oh, the FA, the Premier League, they should be looking after those people first and foremost because they're, they're right at the heart of everything. But the players and the manager and everybody else... These are the people who are the lifeblood of your club. And every time they just get treated like that because people know that their loyalty won't waver. They will be back again next time they get dumped upon. And Spurs acting the way they've done should be should have been more harshly punished. They should have, they should have been punished. You know, they, they haven't been. They've got away with it. And it's, you know... Um, it's just a flavour, by the way. Of yeah, what's, what's to come? What's to come? We really had time to think about our angry you got, um, Of course, from the away point of view, as well, it's not just the City fans, like you say, who've been affected. It's all the away fans who already had their travel booked to go yeah. and play City. And, 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 you know, more and more now, football fans, we were very, very tribal, but we should start thinking of ourselves as one whole. You know, uh, uh, there was talk of uh, United Everton. Has that moved now, United Everton? To fill the yes, TV gap, on the Sunday, so yeah. so that United and Everton fans have also been affected by Tottenham's ground not being ready. So we've got six, seven sets of fans. Yeah, and, and and all right, I'm a blue, but I, I also have empathy for United fans who've been affected by this. Everton fans, Southampton fans. It isn't just we we should stick together a bit more as supporters and and make our voices heard. I mean, it is me. I, I'm I'm part journalist, part fan. Part anything else that Stuart can think of that's far more insulting, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I've been a fan all my life, and, and although I've been privileged in the in the in you know, the last sort of twenty odd years to to be a journalist, I also did twenty odd years as a fan, and and I still know a lot of fans, and my my family are fans, so I, I I completely relate to all this, and it really really upsets me. Can we snip that little bit of audio out where Ian said I have. 
empathy for United fans. <laughs> can, we get, can we get that played on a loop somewhere? Yeah. That's a new ringtone for someone in the We'll change that on your phone when you're not looking. <laughs> well, my phone went off. I went to a wedding at the weekend and my phone went off in the middle of the service and on came. Da, 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 city. Oh, oh, blimey. I'm fiddling around in my pocket to turn it Ian, on. no one would expect anything less of you. <laughs> Trust me. At least it wasn't. I have empathy for United fans. It was my ringtone. It might be next week. Who knows? We'll see what we can do. Ash, you've got a big job in your hands editing that, but we'll see. See what we can do. Thank you very much for joining us. We will be back next week as well as we look ahead to return to Premier League football. We already can't wait. Hopefully, City will be back to put their the last couple of minutes of Anfield who did behind them. They still drew. They still, still top drew. of the league going into the national break. If you'd have said especially with De Bruyne's injury, yeah. uh, you know, up until that second international <coughs> break starts, you'll be top of the league having gone to Arsenal, Anfield and no Kevin De Bruyne. I think every City fan would snap your hand off. I think, I think I saw you retweet a tweet and somebody said that Liverpool have had their best ever start to a league season and City are still top. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much for joining us, Stu. Thank you very much for that. We'll be back with the Talking City podcast next week. Make sure to subscribe to us on Acast for all the latest episodes and feel free to tweet any of us with your questions for next week's show.